so I'm a home worker, so I have a office at the house and it is it is technically this room is I think it's technically supposed to be the master bedroom of the house, but it's large enough like there's a fireplace in it that's got its own bathroom, there's a closet off of it, but we converted it to our family room. So we've got a big sectional, put the TV in here over the fireplace, the whole nine. And I took the closet because it's, I don't know, what is it, two and a half feet deep or something, but it's like nine feet wide. Uh, and I put a, a desk inside of that so I can close off my office if I want. That becomes my desk area. So that's that's where I record. So right now my wife is up putting the last of our children to bed. I close the door to the family room, turn on record and go. I just have to... I just have to wait until everyone else leaves my house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go outside. All please. right, everybody, please leave. Just let me <laughs> give me an hour. <laughs> Sounds like you have the better setup out of the two of us. I've really transitioned entirely to working from home. When I lived in Florida, I worked out of an office every day, and I was really fortunate to have the ability to work from wherever I wanted to. I would still go into the office. Here, it's it's a different story. There is no office. There is nothing to do except my own freelance work. So I get to do that from wherever I want to do it, which is my house, which is awesome when everything's going perfectly. It's not awesome when your AC breaks and it's 97 degrees in your living room. Yes. <laughs> you, you sent me that text saying that you didn't have AC and it was 97. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I would die. I'm so used to Minnesota weather right now. Right. It was 114 degrees out side yesterday Ugh. yeah it was really crazy so the good news is i got my ac fixed the bad news is i i had to get my ac fixed it's one of those things where yeah i mean i guess the best day to do it would be like a gentle springtime day but i didn't have that liberty i had to just fix it when it broke which was now it's interesting we brought up the homework thing because i've got a few folks that have been asking me about about that because they're debating going out and freelancing on their own similar to what I do but the thing I tell people with homework is that you can do it like I think anybody can do it but you really got to stop and think it through like for me I know I've got kids at home my wife is home with the kids all day so the house is not quiet all day mm -hmm. so I, I have to have kind of my own little respite. I've got to be able to shut a door and go off on my own area. Otherwise, I won't get anything done. So it's interesting to me how working from home gives you a lot of flexibility, but you also have to be careful with it. Yeah, I think a good way of saying it maybe is when you have a, a normal nine to five job or just a really normal schedule, you very much know when you're free and when you're not free. And when you freelance or when you work from home or you, you create your own schedule, you actually do have a lot more free time, but I think you think you have even more free time than you actually do. Not having the imposed typical schedule makes you maybe agree to things a little more readily than is actually likely. And there's also, of course, all of these variables which you can't really plan for that are going to come into your life and wreck your schedule no matter what, including maybe your, your midday nap. I don't know if you're still on the midday nap train or not, but... I kind of fallen by the wayside falling off the wagon of the of the napping <laughs> i know it was nice for a while i because i'm trying to transition away from some client work right now and trying to get into recurring passive stuff so i think if i ever pull that off i'll move back into naps but the client thing is kind of killing me right now i think the the thing that's interesting with homework is that you have to watch the headspace as much as you do the physical space because at least for me maybe you're like this now too if 
I don't do something to mentally separate. Because you think about if you go to an office and you're doing work there, you've got your commute there and back. And that kind of serves as your buffer between the time you're spending at home and the time you're spending with your family or with your kids. And whenever you don't have that, like it's seven steps. I open the door, seven steps, there you are. And trying to transition between those two is not simple. So you really have to to be ready to separate those two, but it's easy to let your mind race <laughs> with new business ideas, or maybe I could write an article about this, or maybe I could do a video about that. Maybe I should talk to Drew about this on the podcast. Like there's a lot of those things that tend to to flood your mind if you're not careful. So it's not simple, but I, I've been trying to figure out what are the ways that I do this and what are ways I can coach people on it. But I don't know that I have clean answers because it's different for everybody, Drew. Yeah, and I think that you mentioned the headspace thing. I think that comes into play a lot with clients as well. I don't know if you keep kind of strict limitations on when clients are messaging you or not, but I have a couple of clients that I'm close enough with that they have my, my cell phone number, and it's not a bad thing at all. If I think that a client is going to abuse something like that, I would never give it to them in the first place. Yeah. I don't mind personally responding to things on a whim if it's if it's not a big deal. And it's like somebody that I, I really care about. It's work that I really care about. But I have noticed that it is easy to get into that mode where somebody will message me and I'll kind of drop everything to to take care of it. And yesterday I noticed it because I actually was at the gym and I got two text messages from two different people asking for an update on something and, you know, just work stuff. And I said, I'd be happy to get to that. I'm just at the gym right now and I'll do it afterwards. And I thought I should probably be able to set those limits more than I actually am right now. It's really like the only time that I would ever say not right now is when I'm at the gym or asleep. And that's probably not a great thing, even for clients that I have a great working relationship with. It's interesting because you're coming at this as, so you're married, but you don't have kids. So you, to me, I feel like you have a little more freedom to do that. Whereas I feel like if you have kids or you've got activities going on with them, like for example, our middle child, Rose, oldest is off with grandma and grandpa this week, which is kind of fun. But our middle, Rose, is learning to ride a balance bike right now and she's two she's she's all over this balance bike right now and she's been asking all day long to go do that so we finally had time after dinner to go do that but i've known that she's excited to do that if i had a client that texted me in that process i probably wouldn't even know it because i'm not even going to check my phone like that's not even something i'm going to do but if i wasn't trying to help her with said bike and helping her learn if i didn't have some of that stuff going on i don't know that i would have that hard of a line i feel like i would be similar to what you're saying like oh sure i'll send him a text let him know what to expect and then i can get back to it later on in this evening or tomorrow morning early like i could do some of that but I tend to value the family time so much because I feel like I'm working enough that I have to separate those. Hmm. Does that make sense? I feel like there's just a little bit of a difference when you've got some of that, the expectation from some other folks in your immediate family. Yeah. Do you Did you pay attention to the uh, Do Not Disturb All Driving feature in iOS 11 that's coming out soon? Yes, I love that thing. I'm so excited about that coming. Yeah, so it's this feature that you get into your car, it hooks into the Bluetooth, it sees that you're in a car, and it automatically turns on Do Not Disturb, so phone calls and text messages are just rerouted to be ignored, and a text message is sent to the, the sender to tell them that you're driving and that you'll get back to it when you, when you get out of the car. Obviously, that's a great feature. That's a, probably a save lives feature. Yes. But when I when I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about especially in your situation of being with kids and trying to separate those spaces, 
it's almost like we need do not disturb while blank for a lot of different spaces in our lives where we should be able to say, yeah, I'm actually going to give my entire brain to this task or to just being with my kids or to chilling out for the night and and I'm not going to be working anymore. And we're, we're sort of in that weird middle ground where there are certain people who would think it's unacceptable to not have a text message of theirs responded to or an email responded to in a certain amount of time. Um, I don't know if you saw it. There is uh, – let me see if I can find it really quick. There was a weird thing that I just saw. Uh, here we go. CEO tests new employees by texting them at random times. So it was a, an article that I saw earlier this week about a CEO for a company that tests the employees that are um, being interviewed by texting them at random times and expecting them to <laughs> to text back immediately. And if the person doesn't text back immediately, uh. their candidacy is done. But yeah, that's not not super awesome. But that is kind of the norm. I don't think that everyone expects a text immediately, but it's kind of, I don't know, it feels rude not to respond. Are you the same way or do you just not not care at all? I've had enough clients and you should look into Google Voice. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, because that's what I do and I give out. Unless it's personal people like folks I go to church with or that sort of thing, I will give them my real number. But most people get a Google Voice number, which allows me to separate a little bit. Like if I ever have a problem, I just kill it and create a new one and it doesn't really hurt me. So I I tend to separate a little bit in that way. I know that whenever I get client texts, it's easy to think I need to respond to that right away. I have kind of got a habit of intentionally not responding right away from day one. And if I do that and they know that they'll get a response within a couple hours, that that can become the norm. So I try to set that expectation up front, but that definitely rubs a few people the wrong way. And I can tell you firsthand it has lost me a couple clients because of that. But I also know that if a client's going to expect immediate responses, them and myself are likely not going to be a good fit. So it's better that we separate anyway. <laughs> yeah, I totally I see how that could be true. The Google Voice thing is a pretty decent trick as well. If someone's adamant on having a phone number and a texting line to get to you, you can just say this is my work line and I respond to it right. throughout the workday. That's, that's a good trick right there. In most cases, I try to just keep working relationships to email. For all of the things that I hate about email, it sure is great at having a significant time buffer between replies. I don't know what you see, but in my head, it's kind of I have 24 hours to reply to this email unless it's very, very urgent, which is much better than a text message, which to me feels like I need to respond to this in an hour or so or I'll feel guilty. <laughs> and I think those are all just mental models that we're kind of making up as we go. <laughs> yeah. For me, email is about a 48 48-hour turnaround, uh, even with a lot of my clients. And they know that. They they learn it pretty quick that, you know, I'm not necessarily going to get back to it right away. Every once in a while, I'll get back to them within a couple hours, but that's a rare a rare thing. Uh, I know that I like having that time buffer on those because I have some projects that move very quickly. They're starting to slow down on me a little bit. Like, I'm slowing them down so that I'm not running through as much because it's stressful to run that many. But I know that with the email thing, it's specifically important for or like the sort of work that I do because I've learned that 60% of my clients are international. So this is why like whenever I'm texting you, Drew, I'm always using your time zone every time. <laughs> I've noticed that. I'm not going to use mine. I'm always going to use yours. <laughs> and it's because I have learned that if I speak in your time zone, it's harder for you to get it wrong than it is 
on my end because I know I'll be fine because I've got all the converters and stuff on my end so I'll keep track of it but it's easier for me to speak in someone else's time zone than to say like we'll do it this time central and that time pacific well okay sometimes it's easy to interchange those numbers in your head like the hard one is I not long ago I did a a Google hangout with a potential client out of Melbourne Australia Mm -hmm. that one was fun because it's they're 15 hours ahead of me so that meant that see if my math works out here I met with them at 4 30 p.m. my time on a Wednesday and it worked out to 7:30 a.m. on Thursday their time. So the the whole time when I was setting all that stuff up, I simply told them, "Okay, we're going to meet 7:30 a.m. your time and I'll handle the other end on my side and I'll I'll fix it here." So when we met, they're drinking coffee, I'm winding down for the day and I'm about shot. They're just getting geared up cuz they got to work early to meet with me. So it's kind of an interesting thing, but yeah, that's why I, so if it's weird that I'm speaking in Pacific time with you, that's why. Did you know that I dated my now wife while she lived in Sydney, Australia? Oh, really? I did not know this. Yeah. (laughs) That was a a challenging time zone. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. Got very used (laughs) to saying goodnight to her while I woke up in the morning and vice versa. It was... It was a wild time. Yep. This feels new to me, but this this isn't as new to you. And you said that you've you've had a while in front of me as far as working from home, but it, also freelancing because you've been doing that for a few years now, haven't you? Yeah, I've been at that for two and a half, two years, somewhere around that range. How do you think that's gone for you? Has it been something that you feel like you've settled into over time or have you kind of stuck to the same system since the inception of that working change? I fought it really hard for the first probably year and a couple months. It was not fun <laughs> in that path because I was trying to be very selective in what I would do. I didn't want to build things that I would have to support later. And I knew that if I wasn't picky with taking on clients that I would never, like I wouldn't be able to sleep at night because I'd be dealing with horrible, horrible customers the whole time. Yeah. And what I learned <laughs> after that year and a few months of just scraping by financially is that I needed to deal with with the rough clients for about a month to get your name out there. And then once I got my name out there, then I could be selective. So I basically just put off doing that month (laughs) until after a year of doing it. After I did that, I mean, I'm at a point now because once I got through that period, I'm at a point now where I turned down probably 70% of the requests I get to do work. So I'm very, very selective with what I'll do. Which is a nice place to be because you can charge higher rates, you get much better clients, and it's just a better existence all around. So I can't say that it started off easy, but it definitely has paid off. But I think that's the typical solopreneur route, like the typical freelancer route, is it sucks up front and you eventually get over the hill and it starts to coast after that. But it's not fun to begin with. Do you still see a pretty crazy variety of like estimates for how much people are willing to pay you for your work? <laughs> yes. You get low balled a lot oh my gosh yes uh, every day probably i have seen work that should cost you know i'll just throw numbers out here work that should cost a thousand they think they should pay fifteen dollars for it right or I've seen a couple cases where they throw numbers out at me to begin with because I figure out they're worth a corporation of sorts. And they're saying, we're trying to keep this budget under 10000 And I'm thinking it's like a $400 plug-in. So <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> what do I do with that when they say they have a budget of 10000 and I know it's less than 500 like, Okay. All right, so here's the integrity thing. <laughs> How do I break this to you? What do you what do you do? Um I usually tell them that it's it's not near that 
expensive. And I try to work through some things with them and tell them that what they're asking for is not as advanced as what they think it is. And that if they have that budget, they should throw some more features on it. Mm, that's that's smart. Yeah, I try to talk them into making the project bigger if they have a budget for it because then they can get more out of it. And I get paid more out of it. Everybody comes out happier in the end. That's actually a pretty good way of doing it is saying, look, if you're if you're willing to spend that money, I'm, I'm happy to work with you. But I think that we can get more bang for your buck by doing Project Y instead of Project X. Right. You could just do the yeah. I could just do it for ten thousand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it feels kind of scummy, but I uh, I have learned that if I say, and I don't mean this to be a tactic to sell, but I have learned that if I tell them that you can get more for your money doing this, or you can save hiring me by using this plugin, or if I say anything along those lines in the midst of the conversation, I've never lost one of those clients. I've never lost one of those contracts whenever I do that. So it's it's interesting how if you're willing to be completely honest about what the dollars are and what their path forward should be, they're usually quite open to to having a conversation working with you. In a couple of cases, I've had people say, well, I'm not even going to consider anyone else now. So let's figure this out. So it's like, OK, this is kind of interesting, but I don't want to shortcut people and I don't want to take advantage of them. It's just kind of my way of working. Yeah, you have lost a few $15 clients, though, I'd imagine. I have lost a lot of those, yes, and I'm okay losing those. <laughs> that's that's a hard thing, you know, and I mean, it, we, we kind of accidentally stumbled into this this conversation today, but I think it's one that's really worth having because I think that anyone that tries to go the, the solo route, go the entrepreneur route, go the, the freelancer route is going to end up getting shortchanged a whole lot for the work that they do. And that's the problem is there's that really weird tension between you saying, oh, well, but I'm not established yet and I do want the work and also saying, but my, my time is worth more than this and I'm not sure if this is something that's going to be leveraged in my career to begin with. But it's it's challenging and the world really doesn't make it very easy for you, does it? No, no. But at the same time, you have to remember that even if I'm doing, say I'm doing a plugin that I'm getting paid $100 for and I think it's worth 1200 if I'm getting paid $100 to work instead of just sitting on my bum waiting for the $1,200 deal, it's still better off. Yeah. So I, I tell new developers who are getting into the space, say yes to everything up front, whether you know how to do it or not, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, a, that's a dangerous tactic. chugging away at it until you can start turning people away. I feel like that could go wrong every once in a while. It can go wrong, and it has. It's gone wrong for me. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, you have to learn how to tell a client that you were wrong and that you have to reevaluate the whole project. At some point, you're going to have to learn how to do that. So to me, you're better off learning that lesson up front early on than you are after you're seasoned and then it hurts a lot more later on. Because up front, say it's a $100 project that you have to do that on versus later on, it's a $12,000 project you have to do that on. So it's to me, it's a lot better off to do it up front. Just my thinking. Telling people that I'm wrong is not my specialty, though. <laughs> I'm not very good at that. That was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been working from home that entire time, right, for the last few years? Yes. And have you ever considered getting a, an office or going to some kind of co-working solution or anything like that? Uh, you have to keep in mind that I've got a part-time at our church. So you kind of do have an office? Yeah, of sorts. I mean, I'm director of IT at our church, and it's, uh, what do we have, 20-ish employees, quote-unquote employees, staff members, whatever you want to call them, um, that I, I do tech support for. So I go in to the building and I do some work there. So that, that tends to act as my social working situation, if you will. And then it's easy for me to say, okay, I'm going to go do this in the morning at the church, come back in the afternoon and do my own thing. So I, I kind of get both worlds. So I get the homeworking thing and I get the, the office 
best scenario. Do you have a space at the church? Yeah, I've got, let's see, I've got my own desk there, but it's definitely out in the open. Like my desk is right next to the entrance to the staff offices, which is by design, but it also means that sitting down and doing focused work is not going to happen there. Yeah. But I also have, you know, the, the building is big enough. There are three IT closets in the building. So it's pretty easy for me to go hide in one of those. And the building's also big enough that there's enough couches and chairs and stuff in places, little nooks. I can just go grab a laptop, chill somewhere and do my thing. Do you ever find yourself doing non- church work at the church and in the office or not really yes i do that it's it's kind of a it's kind of weird there are times when i know i've got to get something done for a client and it needs to be done by say 11 a.m or something and i need to get some things done at the church but i need to work on things at the church until 10 15 so i will quite often in that scenario i'll go work at the church stop my work on the church go do the the client stuff say off in a nook somewhere and when i get that done then i'll switch back over and do church stuff but it, to me it's all tech stuff so like we were talking about the headspace thing i don't really have an issue with that because it's floating off the same realm just a slight tweak to it i'm working with hardware or software and switching back and forth yeah you're not flipping from one mode to another you're you're kind of staying on the same train just going from right project to project. i'm not yeah I'm not switching from network engineer to farmer. I'm switching from network engineer to software developer. I love that you used farmer as the example. I know, right? By the way, you'd be very disappointed in me. I don't know if I told you, but a while ago, I, I started trying to get a little back patio garden going. And my my garden's my garden's dead, Joe. It's, it's <laughs> extremely, it's extremely dead. So you have to water it, Drew. I, I know, I know. I, I was doing it. I was doing it every day. But I think I actually needed to do it like three times a day. And then I did go to San Francisco for three days and left them behind to get scorched oh, in the sun. And I came back and got it. It wasn't a pretty sight. I, I didn't even try to, to resuscitate them. I just, I gave up entirely. So the gardening life is not for me. <laughs> Maybe someday in the future, but not in this, this heat. Three years ago, I gave my wife a birthday present. It was a, it's a timer that hooks up to an outdoor water spigot. And you, instead of hooking the garden hose directly to the spigot, you hook this timer up to the spigot, and then you hook the garden hose up to the timer. And then you can turn the dial and set it for, say, 45 minutes, set up a sprinkler on the other end of the garden hose, and it'll water the garden for you and automatically shut off at 45 minutes. That has saved our garden a number of times. Amazon timer spout outdoors. <laughs> All right, I'm going to just save that, save that for later over here. For, uh, for the next batch of plants so that they don't go the same way. I think they've got somewhere you can like set a schedule too. Like you could set it up to where it automatically waters it at certain points in the day. But are they connected to HomeKit? I don't know <laughs> that they're connected to HomeKit, but I know there are some Wi-Fi enabled ones. Oh, really? Okay, now, my, now I'm interested. If you make it unnecessarily complicated and convoluted, then I'm all about it. You could set up an if rule that does it automatically <laughs> at... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I like it. Anyways, <laughs> I've been contemplating that myself here because I really, I'm just a social person. And have we talked about me going to coffee shops all the time? I know that you do this and I know that you try to write from coffee shops. Yeah. So I think we talked about that is that I, I created this morning routine where I go to a coffee shop and I, I still do it every day. I was there this morning. I was there yesterday morning. I was there the, the morning before I go to a coffee shop. It's a little local one that I like in Reading. I'm there from probably 730 
to 8.30 or 8 to 9.30 every day. And I, I do my writing there. I do a few different things there. And I've also started to do a little bit of work there. It's one of those things where it kind of works best for me in that very early morning when it's just me and a few more people because I get to do the whole socialize and talk to my friends thing. But I don't have to deal with the whole, wow, this coffee shop sure is crowded. It's really in bad place to work thing that happens as the day goes on and more and more people come in. Right. But I don't know. I mean, as much as I love that, I still do feel like there's a definite need in my life for an actual office space. And my home layout doesn't really allow for that. I, I'm recording right now from this desk that's in my living room that's sort of got, I don't know what you would call it, like a little alcove that's just made for a desk. Um, I actually had to like measure very specifically to find this specific size desk that fits right in this little this little alcove. Um, and it's it's nice. great. It's great for me when you know all the optimal conditions are met, right? When no one is home and the AC is working and there aren't people coming to my door and I know that I don't have to do stuff for guests that are coming in. Or like a, a big thing for me is I really don't like working in an unclean environment, so. Even if there's just a few things that need to get done, like the dishes are need to be put away or there is laundry that needs to get finished. I, I know that I'll I'll be thinking of that in the back of my brain if I'm home and I'll like want to do that instead of the work so that I can get to the work. So I'm just saying all that to say it's it's a great system until it's not a great system. And it's moments like that where I wish I could just pick up all my stuff and go to an office. But I also live in this small town where there's not really any co-working solutions whatsoever. So it's not even like a go and try to get a get a desk at a co-working office. There's just nothing here. So I would have to figure it out from scratch or find other people that are like-minded and, and try to create a space together or something like that. So it's kind of a daunting task, but it still feels almost worth it to me, which I think is a, a weird space to be in when I have this perfectly good desk that I'm, I'm talking to from right now. So two things in what you said. One, when you were talking about working in the, the coffee shop, you're talking about your writing and some of those gigs, and then you also do your work. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting to me that you separate those <laughs> so clearly because to me, everything I do that has potential to drive dollars at all is under this big umbrella of work. What I think I'm trying to think of is like work that's my own fully and then work that's for someone. So if it's work that's my own, I know where I want to do it. I know what I want to do today. I can do that from anywhere and I'll, I'll feel happy. But if it's work that I have to do for somebody, I know that, like, let's say I have to edit a video. I'm probably not going to want to do that while there's like a, a few people waiting for their latte at the at the bar right next to where I'm sitting. That is interesting that that distinction exists at all in my brain. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't even notice that because I do the same like I, I definitely have clear delineations between my work and client work. And I, I tend to separate when I will work on each one of them throughout my day. So I do try to keep those separate. Like, okay, I'm going to work on client work at this point. And I'm going to work on my stuff at that point. Like I tend to do that. But I, I think I tend to refer to all of that as quote unquote work one way or the other, whether it's mine or theirs. Mm -hmm. Just a fun little thing I noticed there. The other was, have you talked to like local businesses that already exist, especially banks, about a space to work? Because I know a lot of times existing businesses quite often have offices that are not in use that they're willing to rent out, but they are not aware that they're willing to rent them out until you talk to them. Hmm. I, I've seen a few people do this where they end up with an office inside their bank just because they noticed that there were two or three offices that were open because the bank just moved into the, the building or they just built it and they hadn't grown into it yet. So they were willing to rent the the footage on the office 
itself and give you keys and such to get into that part. So I didn't know. Have you looked into that sort of thing? I've never looked into that. That's actually a pretty interesting idea of just trying to find some businesses that wouldn't mind giving some space away. The problem with that is that I'm a real stickler for a good-as-heck aesthetic, (laughs) so I'm probably not going to feel too great about rolling into someone's office that I don't really love. It's like it's. I mean, it's important, you know. I mean, yeah. If I'm stuck somewhere that I feel is really boring to look at, I don't know if I'm gonna wanna wanna ever go there. Some people aren't that way. I definitely am. My wife really is. She has such a hard time working in an office environment, and it's not because she's a bad worker. It's just that there's something about kind of mundane office environments that feels really draining to her. It's like she's like, man, if there's fluorescent lights and beige walls, basically, I'm out for the count. I'm I'm done for the day. So yeah, I think I'd have to find a place that had an aesthetic that I appreciated, which there might be a couple places in town, but you know, the smaller the city is, the the harder it is to find just the right thing. Yeah, I know. I tend to I tend to get tunnel vision whenever I get into my work. I tend to, you know, give me some good headphones and give me something on them. And then I can focus on what I'm working on on the computer. And I tend to separate what's around me. So I'm. this is why I can do some things at the church and just go grab a chair and sit down because you give me two or three minutes into what I'm doing and someone will be standing like four or five feet away from me before I realize that they're talking to me. So like I tend to just get in the zone and I don't notice what's going on around me. So I can work in a lot of areas, even airplanes, airports. I've worked in a lot of strange places just because I've got that tunnel vision ability. And I know I've had a lot of people ask me if I could bottle it up and give it to them somehow. Yeah, that's a gift. Don't know how to do that. If I could, I would give it to you, Drew. I'd I'd appreciate that from time to time. You know, maybe we just need like VR helmets that we can just (laughs) jack into and have our optimal environment whenever whenever we want it. Yeah, I'm 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 really definitely not that way. And in fact, I I have this kind of weird theory that I've talked about a few times before that a good office environment doesn't actually even just have one good place to work; it has multiple. Uh, I I started noticing this when a coffee shop opened up near where I worked uh, back in Tampa, and I would go to it every once in a while, and then I stopped going to it entirely. And I I kind of realized that I stopped going to it. And I thought, wait, why did I why did I stop going to this coffee shop? Why did I never go back? I don't even really know why I did that. And I realized that it was because whenever I went there, there was only ever one seat that I really really liked to sit in and like have my coffee and do my writing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when someone was in that seat, I didn't want to be there anymore because it was it was this little tiny coffee shop, and there was only a few different places to sit, and a lot of them were like really cramped or. There wasn't really a table to put your stuff down or it was like right by the door and people were constantly coming in. So there was really just this one spot that I liked. And I realized that that was like an important thing to me everywhere, my actual office and my house and really anywhere I work and and social environments. I want to be able to have a few different places that maybe serve different roles that all feel good for working and you can kind of go back and forth between them. Like at my house right now, I have this desk. It's in the corner. It has a nice desk chair. I use it to to sit on my laptop. And then if I need to do some reading or researching, I often will go over to my couch and I'll sit there with my iPad and I'll do some, some reading on that. And then there's also these bar stools over by the kitchen. And if I get hungry and I'm eating lunch, I, I take my iPad or my laptop over there and I eat and I, I do my work. And so it's like I have these three different spaces that serve three different purposes. And for some reason, the ability to go from space to space makes me feel a lot more energized and excited about the work. And same thing for like a really good coffee shop, same thing for a really good co-working space. If there's only one place that you can ever be, 
I'm just really not that interested. Do you ever theme your areas? Like you work on certain types of work at different places? Because that's definitely something I do. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think it's more of a routine thing. Like my routine starts at the coffee shop. So if I don't have that, then that feels kind of strange. And because my routine starts with writing, the writing is done at a coffee shop. There are certain things which feel more appropriate for different places. If I'm going to be editing a video or doing like a really intense bit of work, I'm definitely going to be sitting at my desk for that. And if I'm doing something that feels a little more laid back, I'm probably more inclined to go hang out in my living room on an iPad. And that is like a thing too. That's the difference between a computer and an iPad for me. I love to like edit a photo on my iPad or, you know, do some, some actual like serious reading on my iPad. And I like to do those in a space that makes me feel more connected to that device. So a couch is great. A couch means that there's just me and the iPad and there's no desk and I can just hold it in my hand and I can do whatever I need to do. And for work that requires more of my attention and my focus, the desk is great and the laptop is great for that. And I'm sitting there and the, the laptop is always open on my desk and it's always ready for whatever I need to do and we're good to go. So in that regard, yes. Yeah, because that's definitely what I do because I come down, you know, I've got a sectional here that's on the back side of my office, which is a great thing and a bit of a problem <laughs> at the same time because if I'm going to take a nap, that's where I do it. So this, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot a little bit because the same place where I will write code is the same place I will take a nap. Probably not the wisest thing to do. Yeah, it's always tempting you with its comfiness. I know, right? I have sections of the sectional where I do different types of work, and then I also do other types of work at my desk itself. Like, for example, the one where I do code is one where I can see the whiteboard because it's not uncommon for me to have, like, a schematic of sorts drawn up there, different ideas that I want to go into the project I'm working on up there. So it's nice to have that, like, behind the screen as I'm sitting there to see that. If I'm going to read, I've got a corner of the sectional I sit on. If I'm going to do, take care of email, I've got another area that I work on. If I'm going to do some planning, laying out what my projects are, doing some task management reviews, that sort of thing, I'll do those at my desk. Admin stuff I'll do at my desk. Like I just have these different zones where I do different things, and I just move between them throughout the day. So that's, that's what I do, which works out really well because then whenever you go to that zone, it immediately makes my mind shift over to that mode, and it's a lot easier to get into the flow from that standpoint. So that's why I was asking, because I just know that I've got that benefit of the habit that comes with it. Do you use that whiteboard a lot? Yes. I need to, one of these days I'll upgrade it. So I call it my whiteboard, no. but if you're familiar with uh, Melamine, you go to the big box, Home Depot, Lowe's, those types of stores, oh, yeah. get a, a quarter inch thick Melamine four by eight sheet. And then I got some mirror hangers, if you're familiar with those. And stuck it to the wall. Grab some whiteboard markers and go to town. Now, it won't wipe clean as easy as a whiteboard, but if you spray some water on it, it'll wipe off right away. And it was like 12 bucks versus the 300 or whatever to get an actual whiteboard. But you're thinking about upgrading anyways? I am because I'm starting to use it more and more lately, and it's starting to become a problem with the whole wipe it off thing so <laughs> yeah that 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 only works for so long before it starts to look a little bit raggedy doesn't it yep yep now the beauty of it is that whenever it looks raggedy you can take it off and flip it over and put it back Ooh. up and you got the other side yeah so you can do that double use but i did i did that like nine months ago so, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's pretty great <laughs> what do you what do you use the whiteboard for uh it's not uncommon for me to use that for 
like if I'm trying to lay out a specific plugin in Discourse, like what I want the thing to look at, I'll draw up four or five different views of what it could be and then try to merge them. And it's kind of nice to write on them. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to do that. Or the other thing I'll do, maybe on top of that or next to it, I will lay out the different pieces of it that need done. They're not tasks. They're not necessarily features. They're just kind of collections of ideas that could go into it. They're not necessarily things I'm going to commit to doing, but they're things to consider, I guess, like things to just keep in mind. Like I need to make sure that this has the functionality to send emails. Well, I don't need to build email into it. I don't need to have settings for it, but I need to make sure that email is something I keep in mind because in the future, the client wants this to eventually have email on it. So it's not even a someday, maybe it's not a thing to do. It's just something to keep in mind. So I tend to keep those up there as well. But that's usually during my brainstorming part of it. And I'll do all that up on the whiteboard, grab a picture of it, wipe it all clean, start over on the next one, and away we go. Do you ever use it as a task manager? I have. It doesn't work. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's pretty great. It, it's it's fun to try. <laughs> I've been I've been using a a whiteboard esque system too. I don't know if you saw any pictures of it, but I've started taking to just writing on my windows because I have these big old windows that are right next to my desk. Uh, so I just bought some neon dry erase markers that are a lot easier to to see against like a a kind of complex backdrop and i've been i've been using that to do some dreaming and do some drafting of of concepts and ideas and it's been awesome i love the ability to just get something out of your head and onto a a physical space in front of you it really is so helpful yeah i don't know i feel like there's something to this though in the sense of even that to me is a space like even just having a whiteboard feels like a separate space than just sitting at your desk. So I think that you might be more like me than you you think. It just is more oriented around objects than spaces and aesthetic. Yes, yes. And I know that like one thing that's important to me and always has been whenever I'm doing some of that brainstorming, uh, especially on the whiteboard, is I've always, whenever I've done that, I put on on classical music Hmm. in my headphones and do that. I don't know what it is about that, but it, there's something that helps get the creative mind going with that. Uh, I, I'm sure I could look up. I'm sure there's some study around that, but I've just learned that if I have like strings or an orchestra of sorts that I, I do a lot better. And <laughs> this will transition to something I know you wanted to talk about, the AirPods. Yes. Uh, I don't have to worry about wires on that process anymore. So this week, since I've got the AirPods, I have been spending even more time at the whiteboard because I don't have to worry about cables flopping from my ears and getting them wrapped up in the marker and stuff. So I've been very impressed with having wireless headphones. I've never gone that route before. So I'm a fan, I'll, I'll say. So you got the AirPods <laughs> this week. Did you order them a while ago, by the way, or was this, did you not have to deal with the the long wait time? So full disclosure here, I didn't order them. I I think I've got one or two people somewhere in the world that like to give me things right now. Hey, secret admirer update. Yes. So whoever secret admirer is, this is the person that sent these to me. Okay. So (laughs) I don't know where they came from. I just know that they showed up, had my name on it, wasn't going to say no. That's what I know. Wow. I mean... 
that's a pretty great that's a pretty great gift right there. Yes, because that is that's a good example of something that you probably would have never got for yourself, but now you have them and they do serve a, a pretty great need, just like a mouse, actually. Yes, this person's got good taste. Yes, man, whoever it is, I know I like this person. Nice, nice job. These are some good gifts. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, well, so you have no idea how long they were, how long ago they were ordered, but they they showed up, and so, and you're you're digging them. You like them? I'm a fan. I'm a very big fan. I know that as soon as I saw what I had, I was like, oh, okay, I want to get people's opinions on these before I ever open the box because I I wanted to know what other people thought about them, like what were their struggles, because I wanted to set my expectations before I ever got into it, and it seemed like the thing a lot of people were concerned about was battery life. That seems to be a big issue that people struggle with. Uh, so. So I, from day one, just set up kind of a, a workflow around them, if you will, where I wear them before breakfast, put them in the case over breakfast, take them out, wear them through the morning to lunch, put them in the case over lunch, take them out, wear them all afternoon, put them back in the case at the end of my workday, and then I plug the case in at night. And that seems to work perfectly for me. Not going to argue with it. No problems with it. I have zero issues with that. Yeah, I was charging it every night to begin with as well. And then somewhere along the way, I, I kind of gave up because I really have never noticed bad battery life issues. I think that they're they're pretty solid. And I use them a lot. But I think that a, a difference is that I actually end up almost always using just one ear. Because oh. I'm usually listening to podcasts or something like that. And I really just don't mind having just one ear. In fact, you are currently... In my left ear, in my left AirPod, Ooh. Uh, and that's it. That's all that I use. I don't. I don't really need Stereo Joe. I don't really need Stereo podcasts. I'm fine with <laughs> just just sticking it in one ear and using one AirPod. So I think that that effectively doubles my battery life because I'm constantly prepared with a fully charged second AirPod in the the little storage thing, storage case, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the AirPod Pod, the AirPod Pod. I kind of do the same thing that I do with my Apple Pencil, which is I just sort of charge it when it seems like it's dead, which honestly means that it probably just gets charged every few days. Uh, typically at night, that's obviously the best way of doing it. I've a few times noticed that they're dying when I'm on the way to like the gym, and I'll just plug it into my car. That is the nice thing about the ubiquity of the lightning jack, isn't it? That it's kind of always around you. Yes. You charge it for a few minutes, and it's fine for a few minutes, and... It's not quite as, I mean, the Apple Pencil is sort of out of this world in that sense where you can charge it for 15 minutes and it'll be good for a full day's use. I don't know if that's quite true for the AirPods, but yeah, I think only once I've ever had them dead and it was like totally my fault where I just forgot to charge them for a long time and tried to put one on my ear and realized that the whole thing was was totally drained. But they're great, man. <laughs> I, I, I love them. They really are one of those weird things where, I, I mean, I guess you're not the same way. I got them as soon as I possibly could. <laughs> yeah. When they were announced, I seriously, I every day between when they were announced and when I got them, I thought this would be a good time to have AirPods. Wow. I really wish I had AirPods right now. Wow. I'm at the gym and I have these horrible wires going to my phone from my ears and I'm trying to lift this heavy weight. Really hope I don't yank my headphones out of my ears with this heavy weight. Wow. Right. I'm in the car right now, and Christine's asleep. We're driving to San Francisco. I want to listen to a podcast. I don't have my headphones on me. Really wish I had my AirPods. You know, like, I just kept thinking about all these scenarios in which AirPods <laughs> would be beneficial. And I really don't think that I was, like, over-exaggerating. I use them all the time. I use them from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, honestly. So here's, yeah, here's the downside that I have with them. And it's not something that I think most are going to, well, maybe some people will deal with it, but 
whenever I'm at the church and I'm on a phone call, in the past I've always just used the the earpods, so the wired headphones from Apple. Right. I've always just used those for phone calls because I always feel like it's weird holding the phone up to my head. I, I've always just used the headphones. People don't understand that. They think I'm listening to music. Oh, totally. And I'm always trying to like, okay, hold on, Steve, and take the headphone out of my ear say can i help you like trying to show that yes i'm on the phone and now it's worse because they don't even see the cables so they don't even realize i have anything in my ear at all so it makes it a lot worse so then i have to take like one out to say hold on a second and then talk to the other person but then the person on the phone hears me plain as day because the AirPods are so good at picking up my vocals. <laughs> so it's it's kind of this weird thing that I don't think I normally would have had to deal with, but it, it has made that process of taking phone calls in a somewhat public scenario a little more complicated to help other people understand what I'm doing. No, you're totally right. It's like I shouldn't have to do this, but I do. It, it's just kind of their perception of what I'm doing at that time. I actually, I actually literally did this today because I took a phone call outside of the coffee shop that I was at, and I just, I actually had already had an AirPod in my ear. Um, so usually, I actually don't bother with AirPods, and I'm like taking a phone call. I just, I don't really mind having the phone up to my ear. But I was like in that situation. I was outside. Somebody that I knew walked up, and I literally, this, I mean, I'm totally with you because they just don't know. Especially with me, I have just one AirPod in my ear. They might not even be approaching me from the right angle. To have ever seen it to begin with. They're approaching you from the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, the wrong ear. <laughs> they see a free ear. They see me standing. They think I'm ready for conversation. And so I've actually just kind of gotten into the, the habit of whenever I know that someone's approaching me and they don't know I'm on the phone, I just stick the iPhone up to the, the free ear. And I mean, it's just, if you have a, <laughs> if you have an iPhone up to your ear, people know that you're on the phone. Yeah. And so it, there's no, there's no audio coming <laughs> through that thing at all. But hey, people get the message loud and clear that I'm on the phone and you know it's just it's a funny thing it really is. Yeah, here's here's something I want to explore and maybe I'll do it with you sometime recording a podcast, but I have a a Rode filmmaker kit. So it's the the lavalier mic, but it's a wireless kit and I've got the adapter to where I can plug that into my Mac. So something I have considered at some point because I really like to walk around when I'm on the phone and, and just pace. And I've always wanted to do that when I'm podcasting. Interesting. It's probably a really terrible thing to do from an audio quality standpoint. <laughs> but it's something I have always been interested in. The, the trouble with that is you need to be able to hear the other person and yourself. That's, that's always the, the trick with that. At least that's how I tend to podcast. And I don't have a way to do that, haven't had a way to do that wirelessly. Well, now that I've got the AirPods, I'm sitting here playing around with my head. And it's like, okay, I could use the wireless lav mic to have the input and use the AirPods as the output. So you, you see where I'm going here. And then I can pace around my office. Yeah, you're free. You're free from your, your desk prison. Yes. There's no wires keeping <laughs> you there anymore. You can go wherever you want. You can walk wherever you need to. I like it. I'm down. Again, this is... This is probably a terrible idea from a quality standpoint, Maybe. but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> we might hear some footfalls in the background, but I did just listen to an entire podcast that took place in the back of a car. So, hey, if the content's good, oh, you'll make some, you'll make some sacrifices in, in audio quality, audio <laughs> fidelity. Are you listening to podcasts or music, or what are you typically using them for? It's usually music. Really? Yeah, I don't typically... like I, 
I will listen to podcasts. The problem is I just don't have, like, I don't have the ability. I was talking about doing the zoning thing. I can't listen to a podcast and do something that I need to get done at the same time. I can't do that. And I don't have a commute. There's not a time when I'm at the church that works out well to listen to podcasts. So podcasts I don't typically get a chance to listen to very often. Uh, I, I tend to batch them when I'm doing things like mowing the lawn or something along those lines. But it's been so dry in Minnesota, I haven't mowed the lawn in four weeks. So there's not many cases where I get the chance to listen to podcasts unless I'm going on a road trip on my own and then I load them up and go. But then I put it through the car stereo. Would you never listen to podcasts in like 15-minute increments? I, I've thought about that, but I tend to read books in those moments. You mean audiobooks? Uh, no, I carry physical books around with me. Oh, oh. Wait, really? Like uh, in between tasks, you read the book? Yes. <laughs> ah. Yeah, if, I, if I've if i got 10 minutes before a meeting or something, yeah, I'll grab the book from the side of my desk and read that. that that's kind of cool. Or if I'm going somewhere and I'm, I know I'm going to wait in line, I'll literally carry the book with me to line and read it in line. What about driving to the grocery store or doing the dishes or something just kind of minute, but it's still going to take 10 minutes or so? So going to the grocery store, it's three minutes away, and we typically do that as a family. Uh, doing dishes or something, my wife normally does that while I'm getting the girls ready for bed. Ah, uh, kids change that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to that that component, <laughs> am I, of the life. I, my mornings and my nights are mine. Right. But that's not quite true for you. So, I, yep, okay. I, I understand. No. Five, ten, fifteen minute increments. <laughs> those don't exist. <laughs> you learn to do other things with those. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, I have I have much to learn, don't I? <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm sitting here running through. I'm trying to think through. Like, even if I was driving to... No, because even whenever I drive to the church, that's, you know, an eight to ten minute drive, depending on what's going on in town. But I really don't want to listen to anything in that moment because those are some of my only quiet moments when I don't have anything else going on. So I need those breaks. So I'm not going to fill them with something because I know there's a lot of value in that. So I I can't really think of a scenario where, you know, outside of something <laughs> like mowing the lawn or I'm doing some woodworking project of sorts, which is like every three months, it seems, you know, unless I'm in one of those scenarios, I really just don't have moments like that where I'm going to go listen to a 10 minutes of a podcast here or there. It would be three months between those 10-minute sections. I appreciate you for constantly repping silence. I think that's something that many people totally pass by. And I, too, I'm really trying to get better at it still. Uh, and I think that I probably value it more than most people. But yeah, that's that's a good point. There's probably a few spaces where you don't need to fill it with 10 minutes of people talking. It's fine to just let that be a, a moment of rest. Absence is a positive thing.